Hello everyone, my name is Dora and this is the Storm with Dora Talks podcast. I believe in the power of storytelling and I believe that we can change people's perspective through deep and, and honest conversations. I want you to know that I'm not a professional in this field, not at all, but still I would like to help others to feel less alone and simply encourage people to just talk about their problems and feelings because it is okay to talk. In this episode, I'm going to talk with Luke Scott from the UK. Luke went through a lot, and I mean a lot. Unfortunate traumas and loss, mental illness, multiple suicide attempts. But he's still here. He's alive and he wants to help others. Luke also has an organization called We Go Again, a brand that aims to raise awareness around mental health, disappear the stigmas, and simply support others in their journey. He offers one-to-one support sessions, group sessions, and even public speaking events. You will find his email address and website down below. And I hope you enjoy this first episode. And if you have someone who can relate to our topic, feel free to share it. How did your dark storm begin? It's a combination of things. When I was born, one of my grandfathers had already passed away. Uh, by the time I was eight, my other grandfather had passed away. At the age of seven, my best friend's father passed away. We didn't really think much of it. And then sort of life went on and I joined the army straight from school and it was going well. It's all I ever wanted to do. And then I got medically discharged from the army and I didn't have a backup plan. I ended up being jobless and going to college in courses that I didn't want to do. Ended up drinking quite heavily. Uh, my partner had an ectopic pregnancy. I was skipping from job to job and using alcohol. And that went on for probably about 10 years. Then after we had the ectopic, we were successful and we had a healthy baby boy. He's happy and healthy and he's 10 years old now, nearly 11. How do you see the man's role in society? Why is that men are being labeled when they open up? Like, what's the reason and how we can change that? What do you think? I think it's a generational thing. And a lot of older people would say, man up. It's a man's responsibility to show strength and not allowed to show weakness, almost not allowed to have emotions. And that's kind of where I came from. I didn't didn't want to burden anybody with my issues because I didn't want them to think that I was any weaker than there was because they seemed to have it all together and I think the way to change it is open conversations about how men are feeling as well as how women are feeling it's important to know how everybody in the world is feeling yeah Um, we have these uh, stigmas and expectations in an open and honest manner and just be supportive if you say you're going to be there for someone but actually do it and be there rather than just saying it for social media just listen a lot of the time people just want someone to listen and just to have a chat to get things off the chest and the next day start afresh but it's not easy people like myself and other fantastic organizations are, are doing a lot to try and break the stigma and hopefully this podcast will help a little bit in towards that as well yeah change uh, someone's narrative at the end can you tell me how did your family and wife react when you made your first attempt my family were were very upset almost ashamed and disappointed that I didn't tell them that I was struggling. We had to go through multiple conversations. And like I said, I've attempted my life multiple times. The first time they found out, I think I'd probably attempted my life four or five times before they found out. Thankfully now, 
not being successful because I wouldn't have the fantastic life that I have. Friends stopped me at the time doing probably a, attempting my life more times than they, they care to admit or more times than I care to admit because it, it was quite a lot. My wife, but she wasn't my wife at the time. She was my girlfriend, but she was very supportive, wanted everything to be okay. It's easy for me to say that because I didn't know how life looked like to be okay, how I wanted to do it, how I needed to feel. I just felt numb and emotionless altogether. What helped you? How did you find your power to continue your life? Because you just mentioned like you didn't know the idea, like how life could, you know. A lot of alcohol use turned to misuse, turned to alcohol abuse. You know, I was the life and soul of the party. Nobody would have known that I was struggling. And I'm sure you've seen the, the post about the night I tried to commit suicide. I was happy and smiley with my wife and nobody could tell. I ended up in hospital numerous times and it was after the second stay in hospital where I was there for a week and I was away from my, my girlfriend, my son, my daughter, my family, my friends. And I realised that something needed to change, needed to happen and I'd never spoken about it to anybody in depth, really. So talking really helped after I left hospital for the second time. And I, like I said, I had a short stay in there. I was given a care coordinator from my community mental health team. And she was really good. I spoke to her on a regular basis, probably weekly to start with. And she suggested a few things and I went and tried it out because, and I took it with both hands, like my life depended on it because it really did. I was willing to try anything that was going to be able to bring the man back that I wanted to be or create a new version of me that could then be a good father, good partner, a good friend, a good son, a good person in general. And through speaking, I decided to share my story a little bit more through YouTube. And then people got in touch and said, oh, that video really touched me. I, I really resonate with that. And I then wanted to be more directly involved with people's journey. So that's when I set up the business. But yeah, it was tough for my friends. It was tough for my family to hear that this live and outgoing person was, was actually struggling and didn't want to be here anymore. So there's a, a lot of thanks that, I mean. They didn't understand. I think they probably would have done. They'd have just wanted to help, but I'd have felt like I was burdening them. So I didn't bother. But ever since I've been open and honest about it, They've all supported me. And like I say, talking to like-minded people has really helped and just spreading that awareness, starting and engaging in those conversations that are so deeply needed. Can you tell the meaning behind your tattoo called It's Okay to Talk? I don't know if you've heard of it. It's Andy's Man Club. No, I haven't heard it. It's a talking group for men over the age of 18. It operates every Monday night with now over 70 locations across the UK. I'd heard about this group after leaving hospital and I'd attempted to go two times before I actually stepped through the door and started speaking. And it's a group, like I say, for, for men to go and talk and get things off the chest. And there's a lot of people in there that are on a similar journey to myself or to the next man that walks through the door. And just three hours before I managed to walk through that door and open up, I'd wanted to take my own life. So... I went, explained everything, explained how I was feeling. There was someone across the room that was had been abusing alcohol, similar to myself, and he was now sort of six months sober, and I was only 
six weeks at this point when I've stopped using alcohol. So just that guy across there sharing his story about alcohol sort of inspired me to not drink anymore and to try and deal with things in a different way. And then there was somebody else across the way that had been through similar things. He'd been suicidal. And I thought there was, there was something, I felt a connection within that room. Are they like a mirror for you? I would think so, yeah. A mirror of my future self at the time. The tattoo, It's Okay to Talk, is the saying and the logo of that group and his man club. So that's why I got it on. The club means so much to me, and I genuinely believe that that club saved my life. So you wrote like from having everything I needed to wanting to end it all and growing myself. How did you find your power to start sharing your thoughts with others? After attending Andy's Man Club and speaking with like-minded men, like I said, there was something within me that wanted to share my story because I, I knew then that I wasn't the only person that was going through this and I knew that other people would feel alone like I did and I wanted to share that to inspire them and, and empower them that they're not alone. It is okay to talk. There is other people out there that are struggling and that want to help and like I say, people want to help. People don't think you're a burden and the world is a much better place with far less suicides or far less deaths. Hopefully, we're going to try and reduce the suicide rates and the suicide statistics. But we've got a long way to go. And But if I'd have sat in silence, I probably wouldn't have been on this podcast now. I'm able to share my story. I'm able to inspire that. Though. I put myself on a platform to help other people. I, I didn't do it to get the likes, to get the attention. The only attention that I wanted is from people that were struggling or people that knew someone that was struggling to reach out have a chat, speak to someone. It doesn't have to be me. Just because I run a peer support business, it doesn't mean you have to speak to me. There's lots and lots of great organizations out there that want to help and you will get help. Can you share some of your favorite stories that you feel like it was a success for you in someone's life? So a couple of months ago, I was asleep. It was the early hours of the morning. and My wife had woke me up and said, your phone's going off. So I checked it. It was someone that, that needed help. I stayed up all night and I texted him. I had a couple of phone calls with him. And a few days later, he texted me and he said, uh, I just want to thank you because staying up the other night, I'd sort of made plans to end my life. But speaking to you saved my life and I'll be forever grateful for that. And it's things like that, why I do what I do, because I, I'd hate to think that somebody else had ignored that text or that phone call and then woken up to sad news that somebody taking their own life because all they wanted was somebody to speak to and they thought they had nobody. Just one example there. Is your family open now to talk about like suicide or mental problem? For example, like what's the case with your kids? How do you raise them? It's quite tough because my children are still young. Like I say, my eldest is 10. Uh, our youngest is four. It's about tackling it in an age-appropriate manner. So it, we're always telling people to be kind and and look after each other and check in. But how do we do that? And how do we educate the, the younger generation to do that? If the friend's upset, what would you do? How would you feel if nobody come and spoke to you when you was upset? I would talk to them. That's my nature. But some people just ignore it because of their own selfish reason or because they don't have time. They feel uncomfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah, and I think for if my daughter's friend was upset, I'd say to her, well, did you go over? Did you ask her if she was okay? Or if he was okay? 
if she was upset, I'd like to think that other people, that her friends came over and asked her if she was okay. And the same with my 10-year-old son. I'm sure you're aware, schools can be a terrible place for bullying and, and just general nastiness in the playground. I'd like to think that I'm raising my children in a good way so that if they do see something wrong happening, they can go over, they can help out. They might not be friends with this person, but they can stop negative things happening by going over, intervening, having a chat with this person that's, let's say, bullying, for example. This person that's getting bullied feels they've got no one to speak to. If my children can go over and, and have that conversation with them and support them, then I feel I'm doing a good job. I'd like to think that, in fact, I know that that's what they do. I'm aware of that. It's about getting everybody to do that and be able and confident enough to go over and stop a negative incident happening. My elder family, like my wife and my parents, my brothers, we are quite open. If I'm feeling rubbish, I'll tell them I'm feeling rubbish. Suicide's not much of a, a conversation we have. You know, It's not like, oh, we need some more milk, but have you thought about suicide? It, it's just a, a topic that if it comes up, we don't shy away from it anymore. It's not a taboo subject. And normal topic. Yeah, it's just got to be a normal conversation as if to say, oh, yeah, do you remember that conversation we had the other day? Similar to that, it's part of normal life and we treat each other respectfully and, and with lots of love. There's, there is a lot of love in my family and there was, even before I attempted my own life, I knew that there was, which is why I, I don't felt that my parents would have been disappointed because I knew they would have felt, felt let down to themselves because they would have felt that they hadn't supported me. My family now speak about what I do in the community to their friends and the friends of their friends and people that they see in the public that they think might be struggling. It's just easier to have that conversation with them because they know they're related to me that they can have that conversation because we've had it within the family house. How do you see your journey now? How do you see the world itself? It's a good question. I inspire people because of how many people come to speak to me and how many people want to sort of do the coping strategies that I do and they want to learn them and, and try them for themselves, which is fantastic. That shows that it's working for people. There's always something within someone's struggle that I can relate to. So looking back on my journey, I, I think I'm inspired by myself. And I, I don't want to sound like I'm playing my own trumpet because I'm not, but people come to me for support. They're going to get that support. I'm not just saying, look, come and speak to me because I've been through this and I want to talk all about myself. It's not about that. I do talk a lot about about my own experiences when I'm supporting people. And it's not to take the light off them and put it all on me. It's to let them know that they're not alone. I have been through it. I have got the scars to prove it. But like I said earlier, I'm here to inspire her to listen and to be that torchbearer in other people's darkness. How do you stay motivated? Do you still have miserable thoughts sometimes? I really struggle at Christmas time, if I'm honest. Um, That's what I heard. Usually in November and uh, December, like coming to the Christmas, you know, like all those like old months. I heard that uh, these are the typical, if I can say that, like typical months when people are struggling like, more. Yeah, seasonal affective disorder, it's called. And it's, you can get it through summer as well but it's more common through the, the colder, darker months of like winter. But I still struggle at Christmas massively. And Why? Because I think Christmas is about family time. And because me and my wife lost a child to stillbirth, and we've obviously still got the two beautiful children with us, it's always a thought of 
what if, what would we be doing if our other son was still here? Naturally, it'd be more expensive, but you know, we'd do that, we'd happily do that. And I think it's over-commercialised. It's a religious holiday. I'm not religious. I totally accept people's views and, and opinions on it. I'm not here to tell them that it is or isn't true. They're entitled to that. But in terms of bad days, yeah, I still have bad days. Not every day is a good day. And I don't think it is for anyone. And I think it's normalising that. Okay, you might have a bad day. And that's okay. But if you're feeling really, really low for two or three weeks or more, then I would suggest seeing a doctor type thing. Whereas I can have a good day. I can sort of have one bad day out of seven days in the week. I think nothing of it because that is genuinely normal. And in terms of staying motivated, I've got a lot of coping mechanisms. I've got a lot of coping strategies that I use for myself. And my children and my wife keep me motivated, as well as the goals and the plans that I've got for the future. I have to stay motivated. But one thing that's worth remembering for yourself and the listeners of this podcast is motivation only ever gets you started. It's discipline that sees it all the way through goals and targets and plans and things like that. Do you have a new system in your household since your first attempt? Not since my first attempt, but since my last attempt, which was three years ago, which is when I started getting the help, is for myself, I journal on a daily basis. I set goals every Sunday evening at the start of every week. And that goes for my business, for myself, for my family, other things that I've got going in my life. And then every day I'll write a to-do list and something that I'm grateful for. Simple things keep me grounded, keep me motivated because my plans and my goals are changing on a weekly basis. So when I rewrite my goals on a Sunday evening, I'm reflecting on the week that's just gone, which then helps me set the goals for the the week ahead. But I've got five-year plans personally, professionally, and with my family, things that I want to achieve and me and my wife want to achieve. So we've got them in place. And that's my routine. And I'll be releasing a journal in the new year, I think, in regards to what keeps me ticking and, and what keeps me motivated in sort of terms of goals and what keeps me disciplined. I'm up quite early, five o'clock in the morning. I keep active, keep fit and try and eat a healthy diet, try and get a decent amount of sleep. It's tough because I struggle with sleep, but I know what I need to do to get better sleep. And I am doing it. And I still take my antidepressant medication. So I'm not sitting here saying medication is not the answer at all, because sometimes we all need a little bit of extra help. So do you still take those medications, right? Yeah. Is it like a daily medication for you? Do they have, right? You mentioned that. Yeah, my antidepressant medication on a daily basis, and it does help. I know that I'm in a position where I want to reduce that, and I'm ready to reduce that. I suppose what I'm saying is, if you do need to take medication, that's fine. It's not a problem. It's probably because there's a chemical imbalance within inside the brain. The medication will help to rebuild that and hopefully stabilize it over a period of time. And then hopefully other people like myself will be able to cut down and come off when they've got the coping strategies in place and they're able to, to manage the mental health a lot better. Did you also have like an individual therapy? Like not a group one, but like an individual therapy with your psychologist? No. No? What's the reason? You can check your down, right? Through like journaling, you are aware of your thinking. I was offered psychology and I was offered counselling. And the reason 
I'm not saying they don't work, by the way, because they do. They're fantastic. Different things work for different people. The reason they didn't work for me is because they was put on a time scale immediately. So I'd go to my introductory appointment and they'd say, right, Luke, you're with me for the next 12 weeks. And straight away I was thinking, oh, 12 weeks. You know, some people have known me 12 years and they don't know much about me, but you want to know everything about me in 12 weeks. So I felt there was a bit of pressure. But maybe if I went back to psychology now or to counselling now, I'd have a, that different mindset because but sometimes you do need to get real deep real fast to get the answer. I don't think I was in the right frame of mind at the time. But that's why I set up as a peer support organisation because I wanted people to speak to me that I could resonate with rather than coming from a, a medical and clinical approach. I wanted it to be non-clinical, non-medical, friendly, as if you are speaking to your friend or as if you are going to the gym. Can you tell me deeper about your organisation? So I set up We Go Again off the back of my own lived experiences. I provide one-to-one peer support on a global basis using online platforms at a time that suits the individual. I don't like to call them clients because that that seems too medical. I want to treat people like a human. So I do it anytime, anywhere, at a place that's comfortable to them around their working hours, whether that's a weekend or early in the morning, I can do that. I offer group sessions to individuals. We all meet on the online platform and we can just have a chat. As if you were meeting your friends down the pub or as if you were meeting your friends in the park for a picnic, something like that. We just meet up, we'll have a chat. And like a friendly atmosphere? Yeah, absolutely. What might be working for this person at this side of the screen might not be working for this person at this side of the screen. So they can chop and change and, and have that conversation about what works for them, what doesn't. And it's just that peer support and people talking to like-minded people, which is what I absolutely love. I also offer to speak at business events and public speaking or corporate events, things like that. Charity events, I'll go and speak. And I think it's important to know that everything I say and everything I do within my business is coming from me. It's coming from the heart. You know, It's not like I'm reading this policy from another company and I'm reading it word for word. I don't take a script, I don't plan it, I just go, I speak. It's real and it's raw and I inspire hope and hopefully get other people talking, like I say, whether that's to me, to the friends or to somebody else. What would you tell others who even lost their loved ones or to someone who is dealing with mental illness right now? For the ones that have lost loved ones, it's always hard to to say anything because they would much rather their, their loved ones be here. So all I can offer is my condolences. And if you do want to speak to me, please reach out and I will listen to you. I know how that loved one might have been feeling at the time of the decision they made. For the people that are in a situation where they are feeling like that, please speak to me. Please speak to somebody else. I want to support you. Suicide is a, it's a permanent decision to a temporary problem. So I want to have that conversation with people and let them know that there is better days that aren't actually that far away. We just need to change the perspective on things.